Not sure what to make for dinner? Need some inspiration? Join Gabriel and his food hero guests every Wednesday on The Dinner Special. And now, here's your host, Gabriel So. Welcome to The Dinner Special. I am Gabriel So, and I am so happy to have Emily Stoffel of The Pig and Quill joining me here on the show today. Em started The Pig and Quill in 2012, and most recipes on her blog are heavy on the plants and low on refined sugars and starches, though she is a firm believer in moderation. She is also a new mom. Em, thanks so much for taking the time to chat today. Yeah, sure. Thanks for having me. First of all, congratulations on baby Lana. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you're a new mom. Have you found that what you cook today is different than what you cooked before becoming a parent? Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely driven a little bit more by convenience. I used to just cook whatever I wanted, whenever I wanted. And now a lot of what we are doing in the house is meals, particularly dinners, where you can prep a lot of things in advance a little bit here and there throughout the day. So I can prep a little bit during the first nap. I can prep a little bit during the second nap. And then by the time she goes to sleep and we're having dinner at night, there's very little that's required to bring it together and we can still eat at a reasonable hour. So a lot of that is relying on things like slow cooker or I use my rice cooker for everything. I'm cooking a lot of things in the broiler. I didn't used to do that a bunch, but it's such a fast way to cook proteins. So that's kind of changed my game a little. And my husband's a great sport about the fact that we eat like the same three or four meals in rotation, which we did not used to do. It used to be like something different every night. (laughs) And now it's, we just have like go-tos that we know we can pull off at a moment's notice. So there's a lot of that, but still trying to keep things interesting. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I guess it's just a matter of keeping a little bit more organized and finding the time where you can to sort of do the prep work, as you said, and using devices like the slow cooker. Yeah, I wasn't a really big proponent of the slow cooker, actually, before I had Lana. I know a lot of people are like super hardcore slow cooker fans. And I guess I just didn't really give it a chance. I thought like, oh, it's kind of, you know, throw everything in, let it go, whatever. I can do the same thing on my stove. But it is really nice to be able to start something in the morning and then be able to leave the house and run errands or whatever and come back. Like I use my rice cooker for oatmeal, which makes breakfast like a no brainer. So one of us can get up in the morning and start the oatmeal. And when we first had Lana, when she was a newborn, one of us would like sneak out of bed before she would wake up in the morning because she sleeps in our room and put out all the oatmeal toppings and the ingredients and everything and set it. And then by the time she was up, it was ready to go. So we wouldn't have to worry about making breakfast for ourselves. So yeah, I use that. I even like hard boil eggs in my rice cooker. Wow. I do. (laughs) I never knew you could do so much with a rice cooker. It's pretty incredible. If you have a steamer insert, you just throw the eggs on top while you cook the rice. And by the time the rice is done, your eggs are done and it's like perfect. And if you want soft boiled eggs, you can do it when you cook your white rice. And if you want hard boiled eggs, you do it when you cook your brown rice. Wow. You have this mastered. Like, how did you discover this? (laughs) I just randomly threw some in the top one day as an experiment to see what would happen. And I did it with white rice and they came out like perfectly kind of like soft to medium cooked. And I was like... Oh, my husband likes hard-boiled eggs better. So I tried brown rice since it has a longer cook time, and they came out like perfectly hard-boiled. So we do a lot more brown rice in this house than white rice. You know, I love white rice. Yeah. So we eat more hard-boiled eggs, but it's awesome to just have them on hand. And they are like incredibly, incredibly easy to peel when you steam them. 
Well, you guys are doing exceptionally better than my wife and I when we had a seventh month older. So we were just eating like toast every day for every meal, <laughs> like just throwing stuff in the toaster, just like, you know, really quick, like searing meat on the stove and just calling it a day stovetop. There are definitely days like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, do you have something on your blog that sort of meets this new parent criteria where, you know, you can just put something together really quickly and have still a really delicious meal? I mentioned that I like to use the broiler a lot. So I marinate a protein throughout the day and then I can just pop it in the broiler when Lana's napping or goes down for the night. And it usually just takes like 10 minutes to cook a protein that way. So I have a couple recipes on my blog. One is the shoyu chicken. And that's super easy. It's just chicken thighs that you marinate and then broil and serve it with white rice or whatever side you want. And then the other one is a pumpkin curry, which takes a little bit longer to do the pumpkin curry. But again, it's something where I can do different elements throughout the day. And then it's topped with a crispy spice crusted tofu. And that is done completely under the broiler. And even if you just look at the recipe for the tofu element, we put that tofu on salads. Um, Sometimes I just have it like in a bowl with roasted veggies. So even if you're not into curry or you're not doing the pumpkin curry part of it, the tofu is like super clutch. We do that all the time. Awesome. I'm sure your schedule is busier than ever now as a parent. Do you still find time to experiment with food? I guess you mentioned the hard-boiled egg part with the rice cooker. Do you still find time to sort of, you know, have fun in the kitchen and sort of try new things? Yeah, that came about out of necessity. So it wasn't just like, hey, we're going to have fun and see what happens today. I do most of my experimenting now kind of during the day or on weekends when my husband is home. I'm home with Lana by myself during the day, which is amazing. It's such a privilege. But it used to be that you could kind of do that stuff more on a whim, and now it has to be scheduled. So I'll tell my husband, oh, there's X, Y, Z that I want to try out this weekend and make sure that he's around or that my mom, if she's in town, is around to hang out with Lana so she gets lots of hands-on time while I'm making a huge disaster in the kitchen. Right. So, yeah, I still find time to do it, but it, it definitely requires help. Like, accept help. If you have a newborn, accept help. <laughs> oh, totally. And I'm sure your husband totally enjoys the sort of the daughter, like father time, too, because, I mean, oh, yeah. you know, he, he gets to just hang out and chill with Lana and that's probably fun for him. Yeah, he loves it. And he's like a huge supporter of the blog. And he obviously supports getting to eat well, when it turns out, well, getting to eat the fruits of of my labor. So he's pretty good about not only watching her, but he's stoked when I get to play around in the kitchen too. Right. For those of us where cooking is more of a chore and getting the family fed, how can we make cooking fun again? I know we always have those days where, you know, you just want to just throw some stuff onto the table and just eat and call it a day. But, you know, how can we make it fun for people who where, you know, they're super busy and it's a chore? This is kind of a cop out. But when we had Lana at first, we did a lot of the like grocery meal delivery kits that are kind of like popular right now. I know that there's like Sun Basket and there's HelloFresh. And I know a lot of different ones that folks do. Some are organic, some are not. And that's something that I probably never would have considered doing before I had kids. But it's kind of fun because they have the instructions like written out so clearly step by step with those meal kits that it's super easy for two people to tag team a recipe. You can just say like, here's where I started or I left off at this step. And they have it, unlike some recipes, traditional recipes, including the ones that I write, 
a lot of times the items that you have to prep are called out in like a different color or something like that. So you can kind of see like exactly what you need to do to this fruit or to this vegetable before it goes to the cooking stage and you can break up the responsibilities sort of that way. So we found those actually really helpful because it was a fast way to still be cooking together in the kitchen, something that was homemade, but A, you don't have to go to the grocery store and be just the way that the recipe is written. It's really easy to do it on your own. But if you're moving around the kitchen with multiple folks or something like that, it's easy to make that come together. The other thing that's fun is we don't go out a lot for dinner anymore. So when we're feeling not super inspired, we'll invite people over to just have hors d'oeuvres here or something like that. And that's a good way to get get kind of engaged about cooking again. You don't feel like, oh my gosh, I'm just making dinner for myself to get by. Like you feel like you're entertaining which is a refreshing way to feel when you don't get a lot of like fun evening time. So that's something that's kind of invigorated my time in the kitchen. And then Lana's not big enough yet, but she helps me. I put her in her little high chair and she can like wash and bang on or whatever while I'm cooking. So that's kind of another way to keep things fun is knowing that it's not am I cooking or hanging out with Lana. It's I can cook while I'm hanging out with Lana. And then she gets a lot of exposure to doing fun things in the kitchen the same way that I did when I grew up. And hopefully the passion will be instilled in her. But that makes it seem like less of a chore when it's something that's like entertaining to her at the same time. Oh, for sure. And, you know, I'm sure that she's going to pick up all these things through osmosis and, you know, grow up to be an awesome cook as well. <laughs> I hope so. She'll probably cook circles around me one day. Well, I mean, that's the plan with, with all of our children, I guess. Let's chat a little bit about how you got interested in cooking. Were you drawn into the kitchen from a young age? Yes. I don't think I had a choice. <laughs> Everyone in my family cooks. My mom, my dad, my mom's dad. My gungung was a really, really excellent cook. Unfortunately, he passed away when I was quite young, but I definitely have memories of hanging out. He managed a Chinese restaurant, and I hung out in his, his restaurant when I was little. They would put me in a high chair by the fish tank that has the crabs in it in the front and everything, yep. and I would like greet people there. So I don't distinctly remember that, but there are plenty of pictures to prove that it happened. <laughs> So yeah, I think cooking is something that when I was growing up, it never seemed like it was a burden for my mom to get dinner on the table. It was always something enjoyable. So it's always something that has been just a natural part of my life, my upbringing. And yeah, I mean, my dad had a restaurant for a short time and I would wait tables there when I was like too young to be on payroll. <laughs> Even when I was in college and things like that, my roommates enjoyed cooking with us. So my husband, he doesn't do as much of the cooking on his own, but definitely enjoys helping out, learning, eating. So yeah, there's a big foodie culture from when I was young all the way through till today. Yeah, I mean, it totally sounds like you were exposed to food at a very young age. But when did you really start to get your hands dirty with cooking? Was it actually from a very young age? Or did this kind of evolve when you maybe went to college or started you know, living on your own? So I remember that my mom, she would always get subscriptions to cooking magazines like Cooking Light or Bon Appetit or whatever. And I remember that when I was pretty young, I saw a recipe for like chicken with Rotel, like, you know, the canned like tomatoes and diced peppers and onions stuff. And I was like, mom, I want to make this. And it was an ad in Cooking Light. And so I made that. That was like the first recipe I think that I made all entirely on my own. That was more than just like top ramen Although when I came home after school, I used to eat top ramen like regularly, but I would drain the noodles and then I would stir fry them in sesame oil and put green onions on top, which is like totally junky. But <laughs> I guess I've been doing that for a long time. But when I really started getting into it, I did it a lot 
in college. But then I remember there was kind of like this like aha moment for me where I knew that cooking was something that I wanted to eventually have be part of kind of my professional life. And that was when my husband and I were living in the Midwest and we had just moved out there for his job. This was like nine years ago. We had been eating takeout for like a week because we had packed up our place in California. Then we drove across the country. So we were eating out at like, you know, Applebee's or what have you for a week. And then we had just gotten to our new apartment and it was corporate housing. So it wasn't really a fully equipped kitchen. So we were eating takeout again for like a week. And when all of our cooking stuff finally arrived, my husband was at work and I I went to the store. I was so excited to go to the store. And I remember getting out my garlic crusher and like smashing open a clove of garlic. And like this euphoria came over me. I was like, ah, this feels so good. (laughs) Like, I can't believe I'm doing this again. I so clearly remember like smelling that garlic and being like, there was fresh food happening in my kitchen. That was the moment where I definitely knew that cooking was something that I was not wanting to go without or give up. Yeah, I guess it's one of those things where you don't know how much you love it until you don't have it for a little while. And then once you get a taste of it back, you're just sort of like, wow, I miss this. I actually love it. Absolutely. And that's not to say that there are times when I appreciate a break from cooking. Like I absolutely do appreciate a break sometimes. But that was probably the longest stretch I had ever gone without like really getting into the kitchen. And I didn't even realize how much I missed it until that moment. I was just like, oh, this feels so much better. Right. Who would you consider are some of your food heroes? I know that you mentioned that growing up, you were really exposed to it within your family a lot. But, you know, who are some people that maybe you learn to cook from today? Well, aside from my family, so my mom, first and foremost, I learned so much from her just growing up in the kitchen and her dad, like I mentioned, just having exposure to that at a young age and my dad as well. In terms of like people that inspired me, I guess if you think about like the Nigellas or like Ina Garten, like those types of folks, even before Food Network was anywhere near what it is today, like those were the types of folks where I just really admire that they're cooking super like unfussy food that's just delicious. It just tastes good. They don't necessarily have like a hook or a theme. They just make food that's like accessible and super tasty and they deliver it in such like a seductive and enticing way without really trying. And I know that now they're like these big brands and they've got marketing up the Wahoo, but like back in the day of even like Yan Can Cook or the Frugal Gourmet, like I used to watch those folks on PBS and those were just people that cooked food that they knew they would enjoy. There wasn't really any big spin to it. So those are the types of folks that I think I've learned the most from just seeing kind of their passion and seeing how that can translate into something that's educational and entertaining. And so, yeah, I I guess those types of people. I also had a really like unabashed girl crush on Giada when I was like in college to the point where I would have dreams that we were best friends, like hanging out in Santa Monica. It was super creepy. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. It's embarrassing to admit, but there's a lot of great talent like On television, I don't have cable, but I'm sure that it's grown even more these days, folks that you can learn from. You mentioned that you had a girl crush back in the day on Giada. Now, (laughs) let's pretend that, you know, you were having one of these dreams and you guys were, you know, hanging out. (laughs) What meal would you have cooked for Giada back in the day when she was your best friend? Oh my gosh, what meal would I cook for Giada? Probably nothing Italian since she could probably whoop me in that department. Maybe something that kind of is more reminiscent of what I grew up with, which would be like, I'll take a cue from like my mom's repertoire. So 
a fried steak, like a ribeye, like pan fried with oyster sauce and white rice. And she does really good green beans with bacon and onions that I have been cooking for as long as I've cooked vegetables. So maybe something like that, that seems very personal to me. It seems like she tries to share personal recipes with her audience. So I would try and bring something to the table that's personal and maybe not something she eats every day. Perfect. I love that you added the white rice in there because I don't know, I grew up with white rice and it's just like there's a level of comfort with white rice that like nothing else can replace. Yeah, like I mentioned, we do a lot more brown rice these days just because I know it's better for me. But white rice is like this guilty pleasure that (laughs) everything's better with it. You can put anything on white rice to me and it's like if anything has a little bit of sauce, if I have white rice to go with it, it's like tenfold more enjoyable. (laughs) Totally. I understand that 100%. Um, Your blog, The Pig and Quilt, you graduated with a BS in journalism. Was writing about food always the goal? I think you mentioned earlier that, you know, you realized, you know, when you were crushing that garlic that you wanted some food in your professional career or some aspect of food in your professional career. Was that something that was your goal when you were studying journalism? No. (laughs) When I was studying journalism, I did journalism with an emphasis in PR. So I did a little bit of news reporting and a little bit of broadcast and radio and stuff like that in college. But I left college and went into public relations and marketing. And I did have the opportunity to do public relations for some restaurant groups and hospitality folks where I there was an element of me working with people in the food industry or even health and wellness brands that did like, you know, healthy food products and things like that. So I did get to do some of that, but that wasn't necessarily what I set out to do with my degree. I was intending to just do it, do PR, probably green or healthy living PR. I did that up until about a year and a half ago, almost two years ago, when I left that space to focus on the pig and quill and then knowing that we are going to have Lana wanting to spend time with her. So no, it wasn't something that I set out to do, but it is kind of a happy coincidence that blogging is able to take advantage of some of the things that I learned in college to a degree. And when I When I was doing more of the news writing and things like that, it was always kind of a more artsy or feature-oriented beat. Like, I didn't do hard news reporting, so... Gotcha. Yeah, I did a lot of news reporting that was more, like, anecdotal. I did a couple restaurant reviews, but the style of writing that you see on the blog is not that far of a stretch from the kind of writing that I did when I was studying. Cool. Well, how did the pig and quill actually come to be? I mean, you were working at your PR job and I guess you were doing the pig and quill, you know, sort of on the side a little bit. Yeah. You know, I I had sat down with one of my good friends and we were kind of doing this like life mapping of everything that we wanted to do like in the next several years. And I told her that starting a blog was something that I really wanted to do. And, you know, I started the pig and quill without this is very uncharacteristic of me because I'm in marketing, but I started it out without doing a lot of research, without like coming up with like a big plan for a brand or an image or even an idea of how the site would look. It was kind of just like, I told her, this is what I want to do. We brainstormed a bunch of names. I bought the domain name and then I sat on it for like six months. And then it was bugging me that I had spent like $13 to register this domain name and hadn't done anything with it. So Labor Day weekend of 2012, we actually stayed home that weekend. It was like a staycation. And I was like, okay, this is the weekend that I'm going to start the blog. And I launched it without a lot of research or anything. And the images were awful, but it was exactly like what I wanted it to be. It was just me talking about the food that I liked, but also talking about how that food like fit into my life and kind of adding a personal 
storyline to each post. So yeah, it wasn't really like, oh my gosh, I have this vision that I'm going to be a food blogger. It was just something that I did kind of spontaneously and I've had to learn the ropes as I've gone along. And fortunately, there's like a ton of inspiration out there these days to help me grow. But it's a kind of a crazy space, food blogging, because there's so much opportunity and so many different angles and approaches that you can take with your blog. And I went into it with, like I said, with a really unclear vision. I was just like, I'm going to get this up today. And hindsight being 2020, I would have mapped out kind of my look and my voice a little bit more before I started. But finding my way has been part of the fun. So yeah, and I think people enjoy reading about sort of how you, you know, evolved and and grew and, you know, have the pig and quill as it is today. Yeah, hopefully. (laughs) Um, Here at the dinner special, we talk with food heroes about dishes that are special to them and how we can make it at home. Can you talk about a dish that is special to you and maybe a bit about the story behind the dish? Okay, I talked about the dish that I would cook for Giada. That's probably a pretty special dish for me, but that's just because it is something that like reminds me of childhood. It's not fancy. So that would be like a pan-fried steak with oyster sauce and white rice. Or I would just do egg rice and oyster sauce, which is like this breakfast concoction that my mom did for me when I was little, which I eat probably three times a week, honestly. And it's just like leftover rice stir fried with egg and oyster sauce. And sometimes I throw in Spam. Sometimes I throw in like leftover veggies if I'm feeling more responsible. But that's something that is special in that it's like dear to me, but not special in that it takes a lot of like preparation and requires you to shop for a bunch of crazy specialty ingredients. Right. No, that's totally awesome. (laughs) Uh, That's why I love like this special dish question because it doesn't have to be anything fancy. And most of the time when I chat with the food heroes, it's not something that's super fancy. It's just something that brings them comfort and brings memories back to them. So I think it's awesome that yours is a rice with, you know, fried egg and (laughs) oyster sauce, like all these delicious things. It's like a non-recipe too. I mean, I don't have the recipe on the blog. I suppose I could, but it would be so embarrassingly simple. (laughs) No, it'd be awesome. Let's say that you could invite three people over for breakfast and you were making this for them and and you were feeling like a spam kind of vegetable day with it. Who would you invite over? I would probably invite my mom because she's the inspiration for the dish. Let's do my mom, her father, and her mother because those are the three folks that I would just love to have in the same room with me again. And my grandma and my grandpa on my mom's side both haven't had a chance to like know me as an adult since I've had the blog. So that would be probably the most special breakfast that I can imagine. And they would also really appreciate the spam. (laughs) Well, let's say that someone like myself was making this for breakfast one morning. And you know, I was going to turn on the TV and watch a movie and pair it with this dish. What movie would you pair with this breakfast dish? Well, keeping in the theme of who I'm enjoying it with, I would have to say Flower Drum Song. <laughs> What's that? It's a musical. You've never heard of the musical Flower Drum Song? No. Okay, look it up. Okay, I'm going to have to Google it. <laughs> Flower Drum Song, right? Yes. Got it. I call the next part of the dinner special podcast the pressure cooker. I'm going to ask you seven fast and fun questions that we want to know your answers to. Are you up for it? Yep. Awesome. Number one, which food show or cooking shows do you watch? I know you mentioned that you don't have cable anymore, but which food shows do you watch? 
So I watch MasterChef Junior. When I'm over at like my in-laws or my mom's house, I watch Chopped. That's always fun. Sometimes we pause it and we say like what we would do with the ingredients if we were given the basket. I think that's probably, I don't watch a lot of food TV anymore these days. Okay, cool. Number two, what are some food blogs or food websites we have to know about? Oh, wow. There are a lot. I really love I Am A Food Blog. I think everything that Stephanie makes is just like, I want to eat it immediately. Two Red Bulls. The photography is ridiculous. Fix Beast Flare. Kale and Caramel. I've only been reading Kale and Caramel in like the last probably six months, but her voice is, I feel like I just want to be friends with Lily in real life. She cracks me up and she does a really good job of doing what I really like in food blogs, which is like pairing a little bit more of like personal anecdotes with recipes. Um, she does a lot of that. Bev Cooks was one of the first food blogs that I read like back in the day. She is hilarious and she has two kiddos. She has twins and they're like the most adorable people ever. Her Instagram is just ridiculous. Wit and Vinegar. Billy's really funny. I think his aesthetic is super different from anything that anyone else is doing. I really like reading Dessert for Two because Christina's got a little one that is Lana's age. So it's been fun like reading her blog and kind of seeing her daughter at the same stage that Lana's at. And like we were pregnant at the same time. We're not like BFFs or anything, but I stalked her like throughout our pregnancies. And that was really fun. Chocolate and Marrow. I really like Chocolate and Marrow. Brooke just does like crazy creative stuff, like really, really delicious things, really indulgent and beautiful stuff. <laughs> Perfect. Well, that's a bunch to get started with. <laughs> I know. That's a lot. And there's probably, I'm sure that as we keep talking, I'll think of like 10 more that I should have mentioned. Yeah. I mean, there's so much talent out there. Number three, who do you follow on Pinterest, Instagram, Facebook, or Snapchat that make you happy? Snapchat, I just haven't really gotten into yet. I would say of those things, I probably use Instagram the most. Violet Tinder, she's really great. She has just like this super like rainbow hued, really fun Instagram. And she does a lot of like candy colored things and watercolors and everything is just like super poppy, neon bright. Miss New Foodie is really funny. She has some pretty funny captions for all of her indulgent eats. There are so many people that I follow on Instagram who, honestly, this is awful, but like, I don't even know what their real names are. I don't even know. (laughs) I couldn't tell you their handle off the top of my head. I just recognize who they are when I come up. Well, those are few for us to start. Yeah. (laughs) And we can also go on your Instagram to check out who you're following too, right? Absolutely. Number four, what is the most unusual or treasured item you have in your kitchen? Okay, well, the thing that's the most treasured in my current kitchen, it's not even mine because I rent, but it's our stove. We have a vintage Wedgwood stove in this kitchen that's incredible. It's really petite. The oven portion is really petite, but it like heats up super fast and evenly. It's got like a legit broiler, which I mentioned earlier, that like really gets the job done. In terms of like an appliance, I have a garlic press, the same garlic press that I mentioned earlier, where I think it's called the garlic twist, maybe. It's like this big piece of acrylic. And rather than like crushing garlic through it, you put the garlic in and you twist it. And because it's like one piece of plastic, like it rinses out super easily. I use it probably every day. And it's not like the garlic presses where there's like all the little holes that you have to get all the stuff out of. Yeah, those are so hard to wash. Yeah, it's so silly. 
I'm not a big like gadget person. And this is one gadget that it truly only does one thing, but I use it every day. And then I have a couple of like vintage cast iron pieces from my grandfather that they are more display pieces. I don't use them all that often, but they add a lot of character to my kitchen. I love those. Perfect. Number five, name one ingredient you used to dislike that you now love. I don't really love mustard or I didn't really love mustard, particularly yellow mustard, but I didn't really use like any mustard. And now maybe because my husband is like a huge mustard aficionado, I've come around on mustard. I actually really like like hot horseradishy mustards more so than like a yellow mustard, but I used to like really not be a fan of yellow mustard and I can at least tolerate it now. Number six, what are a few cookbooks that make your life better? Hmm. I'm an awful baker, so I have to rely heavily on cookbooks for baking or at least for like measurements that I can gain inspiration from. So the Williams-Sonoma baking cookbook is really great. It's got tons of cool recipes, but it's also just good for if I need like a jumping off point for an idea that I have. I mentioned I am a food blog earlier and her book Easy Gourmet is great. I've given it to a bunch of people because it's just like exactly what it says. Easy Gourmet, it's really accessible. Anything by America's Test Kitchen is good for the same reason as the Williams-Sonoma Baking Book. You just know that everything's really thoroughly tested and it's a good jumping off point. I still have a subscription to Bon Appetit and Gourmet. I know that that's not a book, but those are good for keeping me kind of aware of food trends and things like that. And finally, number seven, what song or album just makes you want to cook? Well, I always had this vision that if I ever quit my day job and I got to just spend all day cooking in my kitchen, that I would do it like listening to Carole King or Adele on the record player. So I guess I'd say both of those ladies. And then for something maybe a little bit more like poppy, I really like, like, I'll dance in my kitchen to Britney Spears (laughs) or Nelly Furtado, like early 2000s Nelly Furtado. Yep. The Who is really fun. Yeah, I guess. (laughs) <laughs> that's it i would dance to britney spears as well <laughs> congratulations em you have officially survived the pressure cooker awesome <laughs> em thank you so much for joining me here on the dinner special podcast now you're on social media what's the best way for us to keep up with what you're up to i'm probably the most active on instagram and that is at the pig and quill or facebook the pig and quill And then Pinterest. I love Pinterest. I don't have as much time for it as I used to, but I'm EF Stoffel on Pinterest. And of course, people can check you out on thepigandquill.com. Yep. Perfect. Well, thank you again for taking the time to chat with me. As a new parent, I totally understand that time is sort of not on your side. So I really do appreciate you setting aside a bit of time just to chat with me today. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening. Head on over to thedinnerspecial.com for recipes, highlights from every show, super blog articles, and all the wonderful ways to keep in touch on social media. Your culinary journey awaits, so let's get cooking.